0: I'm talking to Ann Walter, who is the the director of the School of Fashion at Kent State University, and she runs a fashion study away program in New York, which is really cool. So, Ann, thank you so much for um, chatting with me.
1: Yeah, great. Thank you so much for having me, Taylor.
0: (laughs) So what exactly does your current job look like?
1: Yeah, so as you mentioned, I work for Kent State University, which has one of the top ranked schools of fashion in the United States. Um, Kent is located in the Midwest, in Ohio, and a big part of what we want our students to do is have access, though, you know, the fashion industry is global today. So as a requirement of graduation, all students have to do a study away or a study abroad program experience. Um, So one of our biggest programs. Oh, no.
0: Oh, sorry. That's really cool that it's a requirement.
1: Yes. Yes. It's a requirement for merchandising and design students. Okay. So I, I oversee our program location here in New York City. So um, we're a Kent State University campus. Um, we have full semester programs, fall, spring, and summer for students. We have students from Kent, but we also have students come in from other universities who are maybe interested in fashion, but their school doesn't have a program or if they have a program, they don't have the space in New York. So we have guest students come in and study with us as well.
0: Okay. So you, you kind of like manage all of that?
1: Yeah, so I oversee our campus, our students, our instructors, our staff. I work really closely with our main campus on different projects. I'm the um, co-chair of our diversity, equity, and anti-racism committee, so I do a lot of work with my colleagues on main campus. I travel back and forth to Ohio, um, and then we work we do a lot of work here in this program with industry and fashion school alumni because we're obviously we're located right in the heart of the garment district in New York City. So we have a lot of access to our own alumni and the fashion industry as well.
0: Really cool. So it's it's kind of cool how you've like merged education and fashion. How did you kind of get there? Like I, I know you said before we were talking that You were interested in fashion, really, and you were working there for 20 years. Like, how did that kind of blend with this education side?
1: Um, Yeah, so I spent the first 20 years of my career working in fashion. I graduated from fashion school uh, with a degree in design, and I worked in fashion at a ton of different companies, mostly mass or large retailers, American brands. I was an assistant designer. I worked my way up the ladder. Um, I was at Liz Claiborne, I was at Old Navy for a very long time, at Justice, at Walmart, at Sears, at Bonobos, uh, lots of different companies. And But I always loved mentoring people and, and kind of guiding people. And then I had the opportunity to start part-time teaching about 12 years ago, which I just loved. And I used to just teach in the evenings after I worked full-time in, in um, fashion. And then, long story short, I started teaching more when a company I worked for had closed. I got my master's degree. I taught a little more and then um, uh, the position here opened up where I was already working. And, and they asked me to just help out for a little while. A little while turned into a couple semesters. It turned into coming on board full time. So now I've been in higher education um, for four years full time running this program here in New York. So it's, it's a great blend to me of like the two things I love, education and fashion.
0: Yeah, and you said you were doing fashion design at all those places? Yes. That is so cool. I'm definitely not the best at fashion design, although I did take a fashion design class um, at Tulane, which was super fun. Um, but that is so cool because I'm definitely probably better at like the more businessy side of it. So that's really cool that you are fashion designer. <laughs> Thank um, you. But like, it's definitely my dream to work in the fashion industry. Like, so I was wondering what that was kind of like.
1: I think, oh, that's such a broad question. (laughs) I think what's interesting is I'll just take off, uh, go off of what you just said. I think a lot of people think, well, I'm not a designer, so I'm not creative or I'm not really like, that's not for me. I think one of the things about fashion that's amazing is you can be really creative even in the scope of a marketing job or a buying job or a planning Mm -hmm. job, because I define creativity as thinking outside the box and getting people to do things or or coming up with new ideas, which could have to do with sewing or sketching a dress. But it also could be, hey, I want to try this new way to do marketing on social media, because I know everyone's talking about, you know, the metaverse now. So what if we do this and let start a discord channel for our brand or what have you so i think there's so many different jobs within fashion and maybe you're great at excel and you want to be sitting in front of a computer all day doing you know charts and costing fabric in different places but you could be totally hands-on with product all day long even though you have a marketing or a merchandising degree i think there's a lot of opportunity but what's the day-to-day like i think the day-to-day is fashion in New York city where I spent the majority of my career is, is fast paced, it's intense, it's high pressure, but you know, I found it incredibly rewarding, especially when I was a young adult in my twenties, it was just exciting. And, and it was all the things you wanted. It was glamorous. I used to travel a lot. I used to, you know, stay in amazing hotels and, and fly around the world. And, and for me, I loved that, that Mm -hmm. part of it. That's the part I still miss.
0: (laughs) So you don't do so much of that anymore now working.
1: Well, working in education, we don't have that glamorous yeah. travel budget that we, we've had in the fashion industry, but it's rewarding in a different way.
0: Yes. Okay. So kind of posit- positives and negatives.
1: For sure. Just like at any job.
0: <laughs> Do you have any, like, funny stories, whether it's from your current job or from back in the day when you were jet setting around the world? <laughs> um. Hmm. Or like a, a biggest fail or
1: yeah i would say it's kind of a funny story but it goes back to i think understanding how to interview for a job when i was in my 20s i interviewed at the time at abercrombie and fitch so this was when abercrombie was different than it is now it was super super preppy and they had a very narrow aesthetic um but i went to the job interview and which their campus is in ohio and it's like a campus and everyone's walking around and riding scooters And I happened to be wearing like a black T-shirt. So historically, because Abercrombie didn't sell black, no one wore black there. It wasn't the culture. So I went to the interview. And even though I think I did a good job at the interview, I wasn't a culture fit. I didn't get the Mm -hmm. job right? Because I hadn't done my homework in advance. And when I think about that now, I'm so horrified because it's such a big part of working in fashion. You have to look on brand when you go to somewhere. Now, that's not to say you have to look like a clone, but you have to know enough about the company. And and you do the research. You look at free people's employee blog to understand, hey, what do they look like? What's the like aesthetic? And I'm happy to say that I actually interviewed at Abercrombie about six or seven years after that. I wore like a Navy puffer vest and mm-hmm. ripped jeans and flip flops. And I did get the job offer because <laughs> I, was, I was on brand, even though it felt very strange to me to go to a job mm-hmm. interview for a director level position in flip flops. Uh-huh. That was what was right for their culture. So I think you know, it was a good lesson to always understand the culture of the company you're interviewing at to understand what they're looking for in terms of you know, culture.
0: Yeah. That's actually so funny that you say that because um, when my mom was kind of just out of college, she also was, you know, looking for jobs like me and she was also interested in the fashion industry and she interviewed, she got an interview at Calvin Klein and she was like so excited that she scored an interview at Calvin Klein. Like she was so impressed. She, you know, got her hair cut. She went for a manicure and whatever she just she painted at the manicure she picked like a red color nail whatever I guess that was popular at the time and then she went in for the interview and as she was leaving the interviewer was like I just have to tell you something like at Calvin Klein we don't wear red on our nails like we wear neutral colors And then my mom did not get the job, obviously, but she was like, oh my God, like she, well, she was mortified first of all, but then she was like, oh my God, of course you can't wear bright red nail polish to Calvin Klein. You have to come in with like a neutral color nail. She didn't do her research. So it's the same thing. You were wearing a black t-shirt. My mom had red nails. That's not what you're supposed to do.
1: (laughs) Right. Yes, absolutely.
0: Was there like ever a really tough interview question that you were faced with? When you're looking for a job?
1: Um, I'm going to answer this slightly different than you're asking it, but I think it's going to be okay. So during the time I taught for Kent for 10, over 10 years, I taught a class on professional development, which is interviewing and how to look for a job and, and all those things. So what I would say, having taught that class for so long to young people is, I think the biggest not the hardest question because any question can be hard if you can't answer it so what i'll say is to make any question not hard here's my number one strategy i used it in class it was my lecture is i think people um are not specific so for example if you asked me hey ann what's your number one strength and i said oh gee taylor i'm organized right and then you're like, okay, fine, it's not very specific. But if you met another candidate and they said, well, Taylor, I'm super organized, but let me tell you an example is in my internship right now, I work for the fabric department and all their files have been super unorganized since I got there. So I came up with a plan for a new filing system and we file all of our fabric cards by country of origin. And now when the designers come in, it's super easy for them to access them. And I got feedback from both the designers and my manager that it saves them so much time. So that's just kind of an example of how my brain works. Which candidate would you be like, hmm, okay, that's really interesting.
0: The second one.
1: <laughs> right, so my point is you can take this, so I have a little formula that I use for my students okay. and I call it SAR. So no, S for I the heard situation. It. It's for, yeah, it's not, I didn't invent it, right? Okay. But it's what's the situation? The uh-huh. files are unorganized. What's the action? I organized them and thought of a way to file them by country. And what's the result? That it's easier. So I always say like when someone asks you a question, give them S situation, A action, R result. And you can apply that to any question. And then it's less overwhelming. It's less intimidating. It breaks it down for you in a way that you can easily, of course, you want to use examples that really show you in a positive light and your skills or your talents, but it it really is a nice framework to help you answer questions.
0: Okay. That is definitely super helpful. Kind of, you know, coming armed, I guess, with these stories and fitting them into this SIR thing, checking off. Yes. That makes so much sense. So like, do you have any advice for someone who's trying to break into your industry, whether that's fashion or education or both?
1: Uh, I would say, and I I have this conversation all the time with students, current students, recent students. I think it can be overwhelming. So I think you have to, number one, because I always talk to students like they're, I'm graduating next week and I need to get a job and they're freaking out. So I always say, listen, you have to, you know, and sometimes they're getting a lot of pressure from their families or their guardians or their adults and themselves about this idea that I must graduate with a job. So I always say, number one, you have to give yourself a break, give yourself a moment of grace. You've probably just achieved this big milestone. You graduated from college, just say, okay, I may take zero to six months to get a job. That's the reality in today's, you know, job marketplace. So to be realistic, most people do not graduate and have a job waiting for them. It just isn't that common. Um, The second thing I say is that you also have to have a plan. You can't just sit in your parents' basement and watch Netflix and then wait for that job to drop in your lap, right? There involves some, some hustle. So I think, you have, to give yourself, um, you have to give yourself your own homework, even though you're done with college. So the homework should fall into a couple categories. One, it should be research, right? So whether or not you're researching online, looking for companies that are hiring, or you're researching in person, you're, you're having coffee with someone, you're just reconnecting with people, you're out there, you're thinking about what you wanna do, you're doing research. The second thing is you're networking. And by networking, I think, can be a scary word for young people because there's this image in your head of I'm going to this event and I'm wearing a name tag that says Taylor and I'm shaking hands with people and I'm wearing a suit. You're networking right now. Now we've met each other. Right. If you say Mm -hmm. next month and I graduated and I'm in New York, can we meet for a cup of coffee? Now we know each other. I know you. I know you're a young person looking for a job that you're interested in marketing. So networking happens all the time with family, with classmates, with teachers, with former internship managers. So want to now just spend some time. Like I said, give yourself an, an assignment every week. I'm going to do two networking things, whether it's having coffee with an old roommate, whether it's just sending an, a DM on Instagram to a former internship supervisor. It's just keeping your relationships warm, if you will. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing besides research and networking is, is to, to be present in life. So I, I tend to work with a lot of young people and they're moving to New York And I say, okay, I need you to use the internet and get off to get off the internet. Use the internet, look up where there's a free fashion event happening. Where is there a gallery opening? Where is there a lecture on sustainability? And go to all those events. Be present in the city you wanna live in, in the industry you wanna live in. Because as digital as we are today, lots of great things still happen in real life. And because of the pandemic putting us all inside for so long, people are just so excited to be out there. So when you're volunteering at an event or where you're at a gallery, you have the chance to like meet people. But at the same time, you're also picking up on culture because in any arts related industry, creative industry, marketing, whether or not it's fashion or beauty or home, people are paying attention to what's going on in the world. So maybe you went to see the new exhibit at the Met. Maybe you went to Little Island in New York, the new park on the West side, and you're like, oh my gosh, it was amazing. And then you strike up a conversation with someone about it. And then they, their best friend is hiring a entry-level social media manager. So I think you have to get out in the world too. So kind of research, networking, and getting out in the world are the things that you don't have a job and you're working your part-time job waitressing till you get your dream job. You need to spend two hours each week on those three tasks, giving yourself, because otherwise you're just going to make some money, but you're not going to have invested in, in any of the work to find a job. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, definitely. Research is good. Networking, it, it's all good. Because, you know, I'm, I'm graduating college and like, Weeks at this point, and yes, this is job. the same
1: conversation I'm having with other people in my life right now.
0: Good, that makes me feel better. <laughs>
1: um But
0: you know, I I'm being patient with myself. I'm I'm networking. I'm researching. I mean, I definitely have a long way to go. But it's it's good to hear that that's kind of what your advice would be. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And then do you? Kind of lastly, do you have any advice like for your 22-year-old self, I'm 22? <laughs>
1: um, I think I would probably say the same things I just said to you now, because that's what I tell everyone. I, okay. I, all of the young people I know when they ask me these similar questions. I think for me personally, I was very shy at 22. And I think if I could tell myself anything now, I'd say that nobody cares. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean, I think you're your own worst enemy. I was my own worst enemy. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if I should say that or is that the right thing to say? Or, and then when I got a full-time job and I was in a job, I was like 22, 23, I was nervous to say something because I'm like, I'm the youngest person in the room. I'm the least experienced, I'm a female. Like, should I say what I think? And I think I would now tell myself yes, because A, no one cares. They're not thinking, oh my gosh, that person's young or they're nervous. I also think now with a little perspective and being older, I am very impressed when young people talk because having taught for many, many years, there's like four students in the class who actually talk to you, who come in now that I'm running a program, come in and say, hey, Ann, how's it going? I had a question for you. And for a young person in the job market in a first job, it really helps you stand out to be Mm -hmm. able to just chat. And sometimes I know it's hard. It was hard for me, but I think I was more caught up in my own worry about it than actually not being able to do it. So I would have said, just talk to people and, and, you know, be comfortable talking and people want to hear what you have to say. I want to hear what people have to say, especially in a room of 30 students and no one's speaking or 30 assistants and no one's talking. So I would just say be comfortable talking.
0: Okay. Be comfortable talking. That's definitely good advice. And I mean, I guess even if you do say, quote unquote, the wrong thing, which you probably won't, at least you, at least you spoke up.
1: I mean, I think, I think we put also too much thought around what's the wrong thing, because let's say I said something in a, I mean, I say something in a meeting now all the time that's wrong, but you know, I think it's more about someone who says, well, I love this color pink. Let's say Mm -hmm. when I was an assistant designer and they're like, no, we don't love it. I mean, again, people aren't going to be like, Ooh, that, and she liked that pink. <laughs> right. It's just going to be, Oh, well, at least they have an opinion. I, I know that if I ask them, they're going to tell me what they think, you know? Right. So I think it's, it's okay to make mistakes or to say something that's, you know, not what everyone else agrees with.
0: Definitely. That's super helpful. Really good advice. Um, and thank you so much for telling me about your job and giving me some words of wisdom. It was super, super helpful. And I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for having me.